Good afternoon, friends, and a very warm welcome to you from New York for the Lucis Trust New Moon Meeting in Sagittarius um, with the theme of the power of sound, the power of right speech, and the power of sound. So, let's just bring ourselves together, have a moment of silence, and then can we work together with the Mantram of the new group of world servers. That's the mantram that we use at five o'clock. May the power of the one life pour through the group of all true servers. May the love of the one soul characterize the lives of all who seek to aid the great ones. May I fulfill my part in the one work through self-forgetfulness, harmlessness, and right speech. Thank you, friends. So we're going to begin with two talks. First, um, my colleague in the New York headquarters from the Lucis Publishing Company, Jen Louie, will be talking on the power of sound and the power of um, the voice. Um, and that will be followed by a talk by myself. And then we will work with the meditation, strengthening the hands of the new group of world servers. And then we'll have time for discussion. And for those of you who have seen the notice, there are some questions on the notice that will be sort of the theme for our discussion. So, Jen, over to you. Well, hey, Steve. (laughs) Thanks so much. And good evening to all of you who are joining us, wherever you may be. We um, we speak of five fundamental abilities through which we perceive life and all it has to offer. These five qualities or senses being sight, hearing, touch, taste, and smell. Our understanding of several of these senses may be very limited, based on an old-school catechism of human biology. Humanity, as a self-aware race, has made giant leaps in the past 100 years, and what was once the edge of the known universe has retreated into the past. We are well on our way to another life-affirming discovery regarding the ability we simplistically call hearing, which involves the place and the power of sound. In the book Initiation, Human and Solar, there's a profound and almost shocking reference to this power. It says, Speech is the most occult tool ever given to man. This might surprise many of us. Our days are filled with half-aware words spoken by habit as signs of respect, greeting, acknowledgement, conveyance of ideas or love, sometimes of anger. Our words follow the emotions we carry with us from moment to moment and are our first line of interaction with other human beings. We know each other's moods by the cadence and intensity of our speaking, and we share humor and concern as part of who we are. The sounds we make, utilizing the languages we speak, are the way we tell each other This is who I am, and I want you to see me. On an everyday human level, the ability and desire to speak is obviously of vast importance. If we take a small step past our usual automatic responses, there is a more profound understanding of speech. 
Another passage from Initiation, Human and Solar, goes like this. The basis of all manifested phenomenon is the enunciated sound spoken with power, that is, with the full purpose of the will behind it. The basis of all manifested phenomenon. Of course, we're all familiar with the account of the creation of the world, in which God uses the spoken word to manifest the universe as we know it. Eight different times within the account of creation, we find the phrase, and God said. This is not news. Many of us from many different religious traditions were likely brought up with the idea that the power of sound brought the world into being. So we are not gods calling the universe into manifestation, but we are as evolving self-conscious beings calling a different kind of future into being. We have come to a moment in time and place where we can and should consider the power of speech as a creative force. Speech has impact. As the first creative force, it is by design a maker of things. How does this happen? If we reverse engineer speech on the everyday human level, it seems to have three parts. First, there's an initiating thought. Second, there's a very quick gathering together of words. And third, there's a sending of the words out with the voice. This is the process of everyday conversation And is the process used by the vast majority of people on the planet today? On a level slightly removed from the everyday, we could add a step. And this step makes all the difference. First, there's an initiating thought. Then there's a very quick gathering together of words. Then, the speaker's spirit, vitality or life force is put into those words. Then this is followed by ascending of the words out with the voice. This could be thought of as a formula for creation. As we move along our own path of evolution, it becomes apparent that we need to be much more observant of the words we use and the intent or lack of intent we put into those words. D.K. gives us this reasoning. He says, Depending on the stage of evolution, an individual will create images with his or her words in a manner which might surprise them could they but see on the mental plane. In everyday life, when a student speaks, the trouble frequently arises that in his or her speech is created something that is usually not worthwhile and which is vitalized with the wrong kind of energy. As a result, the thing created has a destructive effect on the surroundings rather than being a constructive, vital, helping force. So could we but see it, something very definite is created on etheric levels with every word we speak. A statement, a single sentence from the old commentary says, Things are that which the word makes them in naming them. It is on us to gain a certain control over our speech using the words we do speak with clear intention. That our intention is harmless goes without saying. And what of silence? A pause in speaking, the silence in the pause allows an invisible, unnameable kind of communication to occur. When combined with eye contact, it can be quite meaningful. When combined with intention, it can amass energies capable of creation. Silence in presence is a form of power. Not needing to speak but choosing to listen is the wisdom path of many teachings. 
An excess of words does nothing but muddy the mental atmosphere and make comprehension that much more difficult. The knowledgeable use of speech, intention, energy, and silence is the occult language of the past, present, and future. One, we are told, which is capable of penetrating to those who are on the other side of the veil. For now, though, we must start with control of our words, thinking before we speak, recognizing that everything we say creates a mirror of itself in etheric worlds. The natural world has its own emanation of sound, not made by the speaking of words empowered with intention, but by each form sounding its own overtone. This is created by the sum total of all the tiny notes of each atom which make up that one being. This kind of sound is not of language and not by choice, but by design. And for whatever reason, these natural tones which radiate out of nature interact with the human form in a deeply positive manner. In fact, it stated that as we advance along our individual spiritual journeys, we will be compelled to leave the chaotic sounds of the cities and seek out the wild and natural places whose sounds are much more in sync with our true physiology. It might be helpful for all of us to keep in mind that we are constantly creating things by naming them. D.K. says rather poetically, Only as the sounds sent forth normally into the three worlds are reduced in volume and in activity, as well as in quantity, will it be possible for the sound to be heard and accomplish its purpose. Only as the multitude of spoken words is reduced and silence in speech is cultivated, Will it be possible for the word to make its power felt on the physical plane? Only when the sound of many waters dies away in the adjustment of the emotions will the clear note of the God of the waters be heard. The new moon of Sagittarius allows us to tie all our compassionate and powerful goals onto the tip of an arrow and lets them loose into the heart of a deepening world consciousness. Let one of those intentions, one of those goals, be to learn to speak with clear and focused intent, with the intention of creating forms of beauty which mirror intelligent and benevolent forward motion without noise, without drama, without fear. I'm sorry, I was muted. There you go. So thank you so much, Jen. It's a real joy to um, try to follow on from those evocative thoughts, which I'm sure will be echoing through many of our thoughts as we think this thing through. I wanted to move these deep considerations on the occult principles of right speech into the broader field of the collective radiation of the human kingdom. There is today something of a cacophony of human sound that's amplified by social media, entertainment industries, and all manner of technologies. In so many ways, this is a chaotic, polarized, discordant, and disturbed sound coming out from humanity, carrying with it notes of despair and depression, hyperactivity, and an overstimulated collective astral body all contributing to the sound of the humanity. This chaotic sound emanating from the world of the human surely respect, reflects something of the intensity 
of the energies pouring into consciousness as we proceed through the period of a great turning, and as more and more individuals and groups on the planet realign themselves with an increasingly strong sense of wholeness and of the light this shines on qualities of relationship. In all sorts of practical ways, it seems to me that the sound of human speech and writing and creative use of imagery and design and planning, that this sound is being used to help us lift our eyes above the despair and depression without turning our back on the intensity of the problems we face. The new sound of harmony as I see it is to be found in the right tension and poise between a vertical vision and a horizontal expression of that vision. It can be useful to think of the human sense of purpose in terms of sound. A coordinating clear sound of direction that has a voice that can be heard resonating above the disturbed sounds of conflict, bringing a new orientation to what it means to be human and what it means to be human in community with others, other communities, other nations, other faiths, and more importantly, to be in community with a shared sense of relationship and respect and with a will to move from conflict into a higher level of harmony that resonates in some way with a plan. Thinking about images that might be used to accompany this brief talk, I was drawn to a small collection of faces. You can see one of these now, faces of a sample of those individual leaders who have become archetypes in the collective consciousness and who seem to me to exemplify the power of human sound and right speech as it relates to purpose in the collective voice of humanity. Of course, I've, choose just, just, I've chosen just, I think, three or four symbols, and there are so many more that could have been chosen. Here you can see the late Desmond Tutu. Also included are the, His Holiness the Dalai Lama, Mary Robinson, the former President of Ireland and the UK UN High Commissioner for Human Rights and the current Chair of the Elders. And lastly, the one I've chosen is Christine Figueres, the former Executive Secretary of the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change and the co-founder of Global Optimism and such a powerful visionary voice on climate change and its spiritual dimension. The teachings speak of the work of firing the world with the spirit of relationship. What sort of sound does that work radiate? What's its note, its timbre or quality? Where do we hear its voice and who are the globally recognized figures that are perhaps unconsciously doing this work? making this sound. In the face of the levels of overstimulation, there's an understandable tendency for people today to crave emotional peace and quiet. Yet this very desire for peace is too often a desire to avoid all the challenges of the age, the trauma and the pain, and to step into a sentimental, dreamlike harmony that is essentially empty, or at best a mere shadow of the true power, majesty and mystery of a harmony achieved through and as a result of all the battles of conflict. Truly achieved harmony through conflict has the power to hold polarities together into a tight embrace that brings heaven down to earth. It's so much greater than a receptive and dangerously open to impression astral quiet or astral peace. 
and it resonates with a higher purpose, where the quiet is more akin to the strength and sound of true silence. These thoughts about the power of sound and the role of right speech in the collective life flow largely from the current group focus on the cycle of conferences work with the Climate Change Conference, COP28 in Dubai. It's interesting to think today about COP28 and the cycle visualization exercise as it relates to sound and voice. And this is especially true right now because as is not unusual for events like this, the conference has gone into overtime as national governments are struggling right now to deal with a major rift over ending the use of fossil fuels. A new draft statement was expected to be imminent, just as I checked just a little bit before this meeting started. The tens of thousands of participants gathered in Dubai are generating a collective sound. News stories are projecting different voices into the atmosphere of every region and town and village on the planet, voices that come from COP28. And depending on how we listen and seek out a voice of purpose or a voice that reflects a harmonizing of conflicting forces in ways that are in line with a plan rather than with any one ideal policy option or opinion, it is, I believe, possible to hear a variety of voices of purpose, of fresh creative thought and movement trajectory coming out of Dubai. The cycle's visualization has an unusual focus on the power of sound in its use of the great invocation. The visualization ends with the words, with the injunction to quietly sound the great invocation, imaginatively hearing it being chanted by the worldwide group. And as you do so, to visualize the outpouring of light and love and power, empowering all who are promoting ecological awareness and who are awakening humanity's a sense of responsibility to the lower kingdoms of nature. The visualization, this cycle's visualization, can also be approached as an opportunity to train ourselves to listen to the sound of thought forms of earth stewardship when considering the conference. This is a very different approach to the more exoteric listening to the sound of policy debates and of winners and losers. The visualization directs our ears to the sound of humanity awakening to its destined task of becoming an intelligent, loving intermediary between the higher states of planetary consciousness and the subhuman kingdoms. What, we might ask, does that awakening sound like? How is it resonating in ways that perhaps plants and animals and even minerals are registering? as well as the higher kingdoms. How might that awakening, how might that sound be heard by hierarchy? How does hierarchy hear that sound? Clear, strong, widely accepted policy decisions, when they come, at the time they come, will surely carry their own sound, echoing a reorientation in the human community. So friends, with those thoughts from Jen and those few thoughts I've shared, we're now going to work with the meditation. And just to bear in mind that the actual time of the new moon is 6.31 in Eastern Time for us here in New York, and however that transcribes into whatever time zone you are on. So 
We will try to have that in mind as we work with the meditation outline. Okay. Strengthening the hands of the new group of world servants. We begin by coming together in a stage of group fusion, identifying ourselves as one group in the field of consciousness. I am one with my group brothers, and all that I have is theirs. May the love which is in my soul pour forth to them. May the strength which is in me lift and aid them. May the thoughts which my soul creates reach and encourage them. Alignment We recognize our place as a group within the heart center of the group of world servers. and mentally extend a line of lighted energy from this heart center within the group of world servers towards the spiritual hierarchy, the planetary heart center. Extending that line to the Christ, the heart of love within the hierarchy, and onwards towards Shambhala, where the will of God is known. the higher interlude. We hold the mind focused on the planetary role of the Christ, on the planetary role of the group of world servers, (coughs) mediating between hierarchy and humanity, responding to hierarchical impressions, and meditating the plan into existence.
And now let's hold that interlude for a moment as we move into the actual time of the new moon. And in meditation, reflect on the seed thought. Through the impression and expression of certain great ideas, humanity must be brought to the understanding of the fundamental ideals which will govern the new age. This is the major task of the group of world servers. Precipitation. Visualize the precipitation of the will to good, essential love flowing throughout the planet, from Shambhala through the planetary heart, the hierarchy, through the Christ, the group of world servers, through all people of goodwill everywhere in the world, and finally through the hearts and minds of the entire human family. The lower interlude. Consider all the many ways in which the power of the one life and the love of the one soul are working out in the world through members of the group of world servers and building the thought form of solution to world problems.
and in the stage of distribution as the great invocation is sounded, visualize the irradiation of human consciousness with light and love and power. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into the minds of men. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into the hearts of men. May Christ return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. So thank you, friends. Thank you for that work. Thank you, Jen. The um, now it's we have time. We have plenty of time. We have twenty minutes for some conversation and reflection. So um, please, you can post into the chat, or but ideally raise your hands um, using the reactions and. Um, we can start hearing the sound of the voices. We have three questions um, to sort of as as to to guide our theme. How does an individual or a group intent on creating a world of right relations reach those who are standing just on the verge of revelation? Or where have you noticed right speech being used as a power, having a power to it? And what follows on from that really is what's the difference between well-intentioned speech or sound and right speech or sound? In other words, what is right? So... Let the group speak. <laughs> and I hear a gentle chuckle there from Jen. That was me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, after um, the meditation and after your presentation, Steve, it's <laughs> hard to know what to say. <laughs> the sound... Um, carries so much power, so trying to be aware of words and the use of words and um, 
It is, it's quite something, isn't it? Because we also, it also, in a way, part of it is holding a point of tension where yeah. we allow something where we're not too contrived about how we speak and what we say. So we allow something actually authentic, um, to speak yeah. through us. The, yeah, look, that I, word authentic. Yeah. It's interesting that that word, um, is the word of the year. In the Merriam, in, in the American dictionary. Oh. Huh. There's another, the Oxford dictionary has another word of the year, but every year they look at a word that's had the most, I think it's had the most attention. Um, and the word that came up as authentic, which struck me as really interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, considering how much, how much, uh, kind of chaos there is. In exactly. general, I mean, the opposite of authentic. So exactly, exactly. Yeah, I find that really refreshing, encouraging. Yeah, it's interesting. So, Sam, do you want to unmute yourself? Be so good to hear your voice. Are you there, Sam? Can you? There. Can you hear me? Beautifully. Oh, hello. Thank you so much, Jen and Steve. Beautiful um, talk. Um, something's been brought to my attention, which in many ways points to these the questions you put forward as well. And I don't know if anyone else has seen it. But um, on YouTube now, after um, during lockdown, um, there was an awful lot of people that had have got um, animals, cats, dogs, and they're using what are called AIC buttons for their animals to communicate with them. They're actually buttons that they've used for years now for um, people who can't communicate for some reason or other. Um, but these animals are helping their owners to take time in their communication um, posing many interesting questions, so much of what we take for granted. And on top of that, there's a another book that's um, just come out called, oh, I've lost it now, um, Immense, um, An Immense World, which is um, about our senses. Not only ours, but of course, all the animal kingdom as well, as well as the, the flower kingdom and so on. And for us not to take for granted um, that we are superior, really. Um, but I'm just wondering how much this is of an energy coming in to help us take our time and learn how important our language is. Oh, that's. Um, I think that's so interesting. It's a, that to me is is one of the areas where sound is changing, and so even all of this to me is is a refl- every all these changes that are happening are a reflection of the energies that are pouring into human consciousness and that are strengthening the soul. But then what? really interests me is the human response and what you're speaking of is an incredible sign of the human response to turn to the other kingdoms of nature and to even just take responsibility of right speech and also right listening which actually sees the other, which sort of sees the animal, the plant, the mineral, and because it sees, is able to have a different quality of relationship. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the the people with their um, with their pets um, are finding they have to take longer and wait for the response. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it can be a minute between words. But they learn so much in between and learning to take responsibility for their own speech too, which is just astounding. 
It is. Sam, do you, do you know, can you, I mean, you mentioned a button. What does it mean, a button? Uh, <laughs> um, well, you do see them. Um, so on some computers, you, you have a keypad, oh, which mm-hmm. will actually have a word on it for people that can't communicate. Uh-huh. Um, and what they've done is now you can get just little buttons on their own, which a cat can press or a dog. Um, and they have, I mean, love is included because the animal can go, love you. And, um, <laughs> but they also, I mean, one of them is working out how to tell the difference of time of day. So morning, afternoon and night, because it has to wait for things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, so that again is a huge, mind-blowing concept um because the cat actually said because it was dark was it night you know <laughs> and wow. she's going oh here we go <laughs> wow. Wow. oh it's fabulous absolutely well, fabulous that's wonderful thank you thanks for sharing that Sam. that's fascinating okay so let's so john would you like to unmute yourself thank thank you steve <laughs> thank you jen Thank you, Sam, too. It's interesting that part of our discussion is the use of sleep, and I really think it's great that you pointed out Merriam-Webster's word for the year was authentic. Here I am trying to use speech to communicate with the group. It really depends upon the origin, whether I'm speaking from the personality, John, or the soul. And I just came across something from Tibetan, and I was reading the esoteric astrology, as we are now in a new moon, um, where he talks about the method of directed and motivated speech. Uh, as man translates his ideals into ideals, not ideas, into words and acts, he brings about transformation, transmutation, and eventually translation on the mountaintop of initiation. The results of this creative work of materializing the vision must be carried to the point of effectual demonstration. And so it's not just words. It's something that we're bringing about in the world. And to follow up with Sam's um, input about animals being able to now communicate with us through special buttons in our technology. Remember that we're not here just for the the human of the planet, that it's our responsibility as a new group of world servers to keep all the kingdoms in hand, and that there are other parallel entities working on parallel evolutions beyond just So I guess I'll conclude, Steve, the way I began. When it comes to speech... I have to ask myself, am I speaking from the personality or am I speaking from the soul? And as long as I consider that, I probably will find that my speech is used to elevate and uplift rather than to harm or divide. Right. With that, I'll turn it back to you. Right. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. Um, thank you so much for that, John. That's, it, it, it's interesting. It's a very interesting thought. Um, Steve, I have a comment, if that's all right. This is Michael. Yeah, please. Okay. I just wanted to highlight an important, an important point, um, about sound. And that is that, um, the origin of sound is really just vibration. And so on an occult level, all vibration is to do with, with, with sound. And so that includes the spoken world, but also the, the subtle worlds of thought even and of action and even of spiritual transmission of energy um, beyond that. And so just keeping keeping that in mind, I, I think it's very appropriate that our conversation really started to go towards humanity's responsibility to the animal kingdom. And I would add also the you know, all the the lower kingdoms in nature, the plants and the mineral kingdoms as well. There's this important passage in the in the Bible, which holds great occult 
significance that um, God gave man dominion over the animal kingdom. The, the you know I, for, I don't remember the exact wording, but the essence of it is that in giving, to my understanding, that in giving, bequeathing his his in a way his dominion over these other um, kingdoms in nature, it was in a sense the creator bequeathing a measure of his spiritual and divine responsibility to the human. And the profundity, the profundity of that responsibility mm-hmm. is just tremendous. And I don't think humanity is anywhere close to realizing uh, what that even really means mm-hmm. or the potential that it has as, you know, as it holds that dominion and that responsibility and also therefore that, that power. And I think sound is absolutely central to that. It has to do with the way we speak, the noises that our cities make. It has to do with the way, more importantly though, the way that we think and the way that we transmit vibration to those kingdoms, and the way we are, the way we are with them, the way we stand, the way we relate to them. You know, Michael, if I can add something to what you just said, the um, there is a passage that that where DK speaks to the origin of pests, <laughs> meaning things like mosquitoes and roaches, <laughs> things that we really can't, we don't know where they came from or what, why they're here. They've taken a place in the food chain at this point, but it was like, well, whose idea was that? Where did those come from in the first place? He says pests, insects and pests, originate from the chaotic thinking of humankind, and w- which is often expressed through our speech, the sounds we make. So we are, as the old commentary says, creating things with our speaking. We name it and it becomes it. We have a chaotic thought. We express it with a voice that is perhaps chaotic itself. And boom, another roach drops on the earth. It's kind of that. Kind of. Um, maybe not quite that literal, but he does say that's the origin. And he says if you want to get rid of them, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, then control your thoughts, control <laughs> your speech, and they will all eventually go away. It's interesting. In a way, in the because in the collective, that's in a sense what we can see happening in a way around um, relationships with the other kingdoms of nature. Um, thanks, um, Jen and Michael. Catherine, do you want to unmute yourself? We'd love to hear from you. Thank you. Oh yes, I just am loving this conversation, and I and I wanted to thank uh, Michael for bringing up the um, difference between dominion and the responsibility that's giving to humanity. I think so often so often that word has been interpreted as domination, and uh, that's a, a great. In my, in my thinking, the great source of problem for how we as humanity have treated creation. And I would like to, to, to share a, an example of the issue of, um, pests in a garden, not insects so much, but I discovered when I was, um, when I moved to the country and had a country garden for the first time, that deer were not a problem most of the time. But if I brought my irritation and anger about something into my work in the garden, the next day we'd have disaster. The deer would have just had a feast. Um, so that um, effect of thoughts on... on uh, the animal kingdom and the vegetable kingdom is pretty immediate. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what, uh, thank you, Catherine. That's wonderful. I mean, I've always thought that the one of the things about this time is that the absence of delight, you know, the absence of joy, um, and and the presence of depression um, <laughs> in the collective sort of sound 
God, the impact that must be having on the plants, the animals. We have no way of measuring what that is. Mm-hmm. Look, um, with David, I'm going to come to you in a second, but just before um, I ask you to unmute, I want to share something. Um, we received a comment from Mark Weinstein about the meeting this evening, and he, he asked us to offer some thoughts on right speech as it relates to the horrendous conflict in Gaza, Palestine, and Israel area. I'm reluctant to get into the specifics of the issue or, or the question, but rather wanted to suggest, Mark, that in the context of our meeting today, um, the thought would be that we can be listening for the sound of all, everywhere, wherever they are, who are actively working in this region to build relationships of trust, inclusion, integrity, respect, and goodwill. And that, that we listen for that sound um, and support it and nourish it and strengthen it wherever it occurs. Um, so, th- and thank you very much, Mark, for um, for writing to us and for those for your thoughts. David, do you want to unmute yourself? Let's hear from you, man. Yes, I just wanted to remind everybody that uh, Pythagoras, we all know who Pythagoras was, had a school in Petona, and one of the requirements that he demanded of his students was to be silent for two years. <laughs> Can you imagine being silent for two years? And this, he said, it was to uh, teach right speech. Right. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, that sounds about right, actually. <laughs> it takes a while to cultivate that skill to learn when to speak and to, and to learn the power of silence. So uh, I totally understand that requirement. It must be interesting, the revival that's occurring of a sort of new form of monasticism in all different, in all faiths, not in one faith, but all faiths are having this revival of a different form of monasticism where there is some focus on silence, um, but it's conscious silence. It's not the um, sort of, you know, the the sentimental silence or the, 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 the desire for emotional calm and peace. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it, it's a will to enter into power, the power of silence. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that must have an impact on the sort of what Catherine raised, that, that question of the radiation that's, uh, and Michael and others, all of you, that's impacting plants and animals. Um, and of course, the David lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if we understand that all of nature has its own tone, um, and it seems to me that nature is very happy putting that tone out, and um, we interact with it in a silent way, which is very positive for us. But in the cities and the places where there's a lot of activity, um, that that overtone of nature is completely erased. Um, and that's something we need to work on. I, I, the whole concept of nature and what nature can give us in the way of right sound, it's built into nature. It's built in. Um, and we are meant to have to live in a, a symbiotic relationship with nature, and part of it is because of the sound. Uh, so, yeah, Steve, I'm just kind of... No, 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 I think this is really... I think this is so interesting. There are... Um, I can't reference it now, but I certainly have heard talks on it and read pieces mm-hmm. on it. There's a whole field of study of what you're ta- speaking about. There's a whole field of study about the sounds from nature and about the human interactions with those sounds. Um, and to me, this is a part of, you know, we think that we are so dead, and yet if we could see the myriad mm-hmm. points of creative awakening to these profound move, reorientation of consciousness of relationship, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is really what it is, um, yes. this is happening 
at levels right outside of sort of occult communities, but just of serious, deep, intuitive thought. Yeah, and something you said earlier, Steve, uh, made me realize that our whole concept of communication is changing. It's altering. It's morphing into something very different. It's not so much based on the spoken word anymore. It's based on the silence, and it's based on what does nature offer us. And um, those of us who have meditation as a a way of life, do meditation as a way of life, we know that uh, it's in the silence that the teaching often arrives. so it's not so much about you about words. It's not as much about words as it used to be. It's mm-hmm. humanity. I think as a race is learning that it's um, it's a mix of words and silence. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so many cultures are are heading down that road. Um, so yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It's no. It's true because it actually is thought. It is yes. And, and Suzanne, I've just seen a little notice in the chat. It's a very interesting chat, and I'm sorry we haven't really got to it, but Suzanne speaks of the, about the, the personality-based speech or sound, mm-hmm. um, and that which includes element of soul, mm-hmm. um, bringing in understanding and love. And to me, that is what we can start, where we're starting to see. We're starting to see how um, in huge collective conversations, personality is beginning to express sound with power. And to my way of thinking, like those four individuals I chose, um, I like to see the faces because the faces is the is the human person where the soul is shining through that personhood, which is what sort of our time to me is all about. And the sound of those people, and someone here mentioned, someone in the chat I see has also mentioned Martin Luther King, of course, Mm -hmm. um, as a great sound, modern, contemporary, one who's able to sound the voice of the soul of the nation. Mm -hmm. Um, And really... They can, from any sort of area of focus that we might have and any our, our areas of interest and passion, if we look through recent key thinkers, we'll find those who truly do carry that sound. And they understand silence, too. If you watch them yes. speak, they exactly. understand what, what's happening in that moment. Exactly. In the silent moment. Exactly. Because something greater, something greater is speaking really through the, through them. Yes. This is this is the thing of the new group of world servers and of the heart center at the at the core of the new group. Well, ladies and gentlemen, friends of the work, um, I think we need to come to an end. It's after five past seven. Um, thanks so much. It's and thank you, Jen. It's been. A great pleasure to work with you, and, you and a great pleasure to sit with all of, um, we have now 80 of us. Thank you so much. It's good work, and may we all continue. Good night, all. Good night. Um, just before we, after having said that, thank you for the slide. Um, so the Capricorn formal meeting, December 26th. 7 p.m. EST, and then next month, the Capricorn New Moon, January 10, Wednesday, January 10. So, friends, thank you very much, and we look forward to seeing you all at the Capricorn Full Moon on December 26th. Good evening. <laughs>